Today on the show, we look at the bodies on the floor, we lie to our surrogate daughter, and we defend our choices. Or do we? Welcome to Lore Party, the podcast that explores the stories, characters, and universes of our favorite video games. I'm Lawrence. And I'm Leo. In the last episode, we explored the weight of the choices that Joel makes in the pivotal moments at the end of The Last of Us Part 1. Today, we want to take a deeper look at some of those choices. Um, Yeah, yeah, basically, shit. (laughs) <laughs> Today we want to take a look at the at some of those damn choices. Everybody, we're back. Those and we're doing this. Those choices. Yeah, we're we're just looking at those choices. But um, I definitely encourage you to go back and listen to part one of this episode. Um, some of the discussions might not make very much sense. We might make some references that you're not familiar with. And also, who listens to episodes part two, part one? What's wrong with you, dude? <laughs> They're in order for a reason. We're doing all the work for you. So come on. We all remember the documentary Star Wars and how weird it was seeing it out of order. So, you know, do it the right way. Right. Don't do this to us. Jesus. <laughs> but um, we kind of want to look at the Fireflies as an entire organization, not just like Marlene's part of the Fireflies. Because this is, this is an, an organization that's done a lot in the shadows throughout the game uh, to really fight back against the CBI infection, ultimately cure it, and then reestablish regular life. And, like, you know, it is a, you know, some militia, whatever, poor man's military unit, and they do kind of suck, and they make some questionable decisions. But really, in this entire universe, they're the only people that we've encountered that are actually, like, haven't assimilated to modern-day life and are still trying to fix everything this far into this infection. Right. So I would say there are things that they've done that are good. There are things, there are things that they've done that are bad. Um, but as we examine this choice, this idea of like, do you let them operate on Ellie killing her uh, or not? Um, we, we have to kind of look at, look at those two possibilities, right? So if we start with this defense of letting them operate, a lot of what you've said is is a good reason to let them do it. Like they've, they are one of the only organizations with the technology, with the resources, with the skilled personnel who have been, you know, you pointed it out uh, in the last episode, but, but also the neurosurgeon and the two assistants that you meet uh, temporarily. <laughs> <With your> boot. <laughs> What you introduce to uh, your Tims and and or bullets or or knives, um, the these individuals don't just have the experience of their field; they also have like the twenty years of research and failed experiments and all of these things, which no one else has that we know of yet. Right? So there are so there are a lot of reasons to to say, you know, the fireflies are in a really really strong place to be the saviors of humanity's future, right? The, the yeah. sort of shepherds of the future of humanity. 
Um, they've been looking for a cure. They don't want to settle for the status quo that the quarantine zones establish. Again, we'll 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 talk a little bit more about that on the flip side. But they give people hope. You know, we meet. Um, you know, you mentioned before, but we meant we meet Sam and Henry, and these are two individuals who, the reason they wake up every morning, believing that the future is a possible thing, is because of the fireflies. Right. And remember, Sam and Henry had an entire group that was with them that were all like, we're going to join the Fireflies. Yeah. You know, we're going to be a part of something that's bigger than us because the only other option is like, you know, live in squalor and wait to die. Right. Like these, this, these are the guys that are like, you know, fuck that. Like things can be better. And, and really, Really importantly, that is the perception. That's not necessarily the reality, right? Like we see Tommy right. succeed in like living outside of that. But what's important here, and I want you to continue, but what's what's important here is that's the perception of people in the world of Last of Us. You either join the Fireflies and you fight for a future or you live in squalor and die. And those are the two choices. Like, yeah, like I, I honestly agree. Like that is the perception of the Fireflies. And the world that you live in like, you know, it's almost like, you know, something is better than nothing, even if it's wrong, even if it can be wrong at some times, or even if it's not exactly as it's positioned. Um, it's something more than I'm being offered. I mean, when you even look at like Tommy's relationship, his or his brief tenure in the Fireflies, uh, they always m make the remark that like it was false hope implanted by Marlene. Um, and that's what caused him to join. But then I think he just somehow, you know, later just stopped believing in the cause and did his own thing. To your point, again, it, it's it's not always exactly what it's perceived to be. Right. Because they do they do a lot of good stuff. And then they do a lot of like fringe good stuff for the in air quotes betterment of humankind. Which is perception. Like that's that's their opinion. That's They've decided that, but that's not going to be true for everyone. So, you know, the Fireflies are not without their faults. They're not without their mistakes or their 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 problems. And we'll talk more about their problems in a, in a bit. But they are going about this in a methodical way. Even the animal testing that I ethically am against in this current world, it's systematic. It's scientific. It's going to yield results, right? We've got monkeys. Rest in peace, uh, Steve Bloom. Uh they are trying to kind of, you, you know, you're so right. You totally nailed it. They are the ones who are trying to push forward and, and like not just adjust to this new world. They're trying to like get us back, right? And get us back to a place of stability where maybe our populations can grow for the first time and not just like slowly shrink. Right. And, you know, you brought, you brought up something really powerful in the last episode, this idea that like, the years, the years that they spent working on this stuff. And we learned this from the audio recordings of the uh, Firefly scientist. But this, the years they spent trying to find people and the solutions they tried, the solutions uh, and the, the vaccines and the various attempts without someone like Ellie that just failed <laughs> and yeah. like didn't work at all. And now they have someone like Ellie and she's the only one that we know about and that anybody in this game knows about or has made clear that they know about. Um, yeah. Like even referencing the audio recordings, it's just like, you know, Hey, we, I think it was like maybe five years previous. Right. 
too. You finding the audio recordings. He was just like the the, the particular scientist was just like, you know, we had years of uh, progress, which is normally followed by like, you know, years of despair. But like we had the passive vaccine. So they're not just like sitting on their asses, um, like screwing things up. They're making progress. They're over here like we have a goal. We're going to keep trying to get this goal like through hell or high water. We're going to fix fucking humanity. And like that is our singular driving force. And again, it's like then you discover this missing piece, this missing element, Ellie, who is immune. The neurosurgeon believes that the CBI, which she is infected with, um, has mutated. And she this can be the like door opening to this solution that they've been fighting for actively for like decades. Uh, and the cost in a very, in a, in a brutal way, the cost is her life. But even if she dies, even if she has to die, what is one death compared to literally the billions who have died so far and the millions and billions who will die moving forward and and we're not necessarily here to defend certain ethical choices in medicine but it's a it's a in this case it's a very immediate problem like if you have clickers and runners outside and bloaters and all sorts of just bullshit knocking on your door at a certain point you just have to go is her life alone worth you know that for all of humanity forever and and look at it like this. Is her life even worth the lives of the people who died finding this? Oh my God, yeah. Getting Ellie from Boston to eventually Salt Lake is literally the, the sole reason that Tess dies. It's like the sole reason that so, so many hunters die who, while, you know, they're not innocents, well, we talked about this in the, in the Joel episode, and each one of those guys and each one of those women could be a part of the next wave of humanity and they could be a part of the solution moving forward. So, and, and broadly, you know, in, in it's, it's kind of hard not to think about that, the, the trolley problem, right? This old, um, ethics test, this idea of like, you know, you have the, uh, trolley uh down a down a road and you are down its its rails and you see that there are five people incapacitated on the rails and it's going to kill them all and do you flip the switch and and if you flip the switch it kills one person on the other on the other uh track um and then you take it a, a step further and you say well do you if if you had to um you know push a person off of a bridge onto the track to stop the trolley would you do that and last of us was like hold my beer let's take this 19 steps further surrogate daughter all of humanity go and broadly like when you when you do the math as much as this can't really ever be a question of math um you you have to decide the thing that's gonna lead to less death there's a really interesting if you ever look into the trolley problem um one of the iterations is this idea of knowing that there will be loss no matter what you do and this is sort of where Marlene is coming from, I think. She's saying, Ellie will die no matter what we do. Right. If she dies in this way, all of humanity might live. Um, there's this version of the trolley problem where uh, an airplane pilot knows that the plane is crashing and that everyone on board can or will die. Does he, like, does he just say, well, then it doesn't matter where the plane crashes because the people that 
you know, the people in the plane are going to die. Does he let the plane crash into a city or does he steer it into a place where there will be less death? And if Marlene, as part of the leader of the fireflies, and if the fireflies as a whole have agreed on this, that humanity is crashing. So how do you turn the plane? And if turning the plane means still acknowledging that death has to happen and just that's the cost and that's, that's the nature of the situation, then it makes perfect sense to get to that conclusion of, you know, Ellie's got to, Ellie's got to make the ultimate sacrifice. And, you know, maybe, maybe there was a conversation and Ellie understood and Ellie decided, because again, the first thing she hears when she wakes up is Joel tells her a lie and says, listen, they didn't need you. I, like regardless of the decision, Marlene's decision being right or wrong, I feel as though that like she still acted acted as a leader, just as you said. Like you know, she took that like okay, you know, people are gonna die regardless. People are gonna die if we don't do something. People are gonna die if we do if we do something. Like what is the most logical choice here? Right. And as we can see from her recordings, I think that she understood the sacrifice that she was making. She understood Joel's feelings. She tried to do the best thing for everyone. This is the sort of thing that I think is is so beautiful about this game because really in a lot of ways, if Joel ever made the mistake of being a leader of people and by his very responsibility every day was forced to think about the good of others before himself because that's what a leader does, maybe he would have thought differently about this, right? Like we keep, we talked about in the first episode these what ifs of like, what if Marlene processed it with Joel so that he saw how much it affected her? Or what if she knew more about his daughter and what losing his daughter did to him and, you know, thoughts of suicide and then years of just brutal violence, you know, doing whatever he could to, I don't know, just feel alive or whatever it is. So part of me thinks like Marlene had the same emotional process that Joel had. But ultimately, when it came time to pull the trigger, literally or figuratively, and decide about Ellie's fate, she had to, because she's the leader of the Fireflies, make a decision about, like, what is going to be right for my organization. And the neurosurgeon is like, I don't know this kid. This kid might be a shitty kid. Right. The assistants in the room are like, we don't necessarily know this person. Maybe they do. Maybe they had conversations. But ultimately, the point of the matter is Marlene is in a position to have to think about other people. So she's in a position to think about this plane and how she's going to land it versus Joel has the benefit of like, he's doing the Joel thing. He's just going through life, kind of trying to get from day to day. And having his surrogate daughter at his side is, is going to be easier and better for him than not, you know? And- and there's even the conversation that he has with Ellie at the very end of the game. He says, and I it was funny, I was looking through YouTube and someone pointed out a really interesting detail. Um, when you're like going to Tommy's town at the very end of the game, he says that like I struggled for a very long time with surviving, and he points to his watch. I don't think that Joel or Marlene had different feelings. I felt like you said they were feeling the like I feel like they were feeling the exact same thing. Otherwise, Marlene would have killed Joel. Because she definitely had the opportunity to. I think that she appealed to Joel's, uh, tried to appeal to Joel's humanity because she saw Joel in the same light that she saw herself. Yeah. And it's also like, 
Marlene has clearly made the decision, regardless of her personal feelings, you save as many people as possible. Right. And Joel is part of that. Even if he's a destructive force, he, he's, he's a person, he's a human, and he's a, he's a part of this puzzle. And I know that like, when you think about it, when you think about this whole decision, you know, one of the first thoughts that people come to, ultimately, playing The Last of Us the first time is like, this was humanity's last hope. This was the cure. You son of a bitch. Why did you do this? Like, you fucked us all up. And it's easy to fall down that rabbit hole. And, and, and I was even just going to say, just having finished talking what we're talking about, talking about this stuff, I'm like, well, I've thoroughly convinced myself that <laughs> saving humanity by sacrificing Ellie is the right thing to do. Um, I also do feel poignantly like we're missing part of this puzzle as well, just ethically, because I feel like from the moment that Joel, because e- Ellie comes too, right? Like she's she's not just completely out cold the entire time. Um, because when she wakes up in the car, she has memories of being with the fireflies. And so ultimately, like there, there might've been conversations there, but it is so, so worth talking about why stopping the operation might also be the right thing. (sighs) Like just taking what you said, like even if they had conversations with Ellie and we're like, you know, Hey Ellie, this is what we're going to do. I don't think that's a justification. If you think about the last conversation in the game where she talks about Riley and Sam and Henry and like, hey, these are all the people and, and Tess, these are all the people that sacrificed themselves for me. She's not in a position to necessarily make an informed decision for herself because she feels guilty. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. When when you're explaining this to a child or a person or anyone, like you lean in on the positive. It was just like when when Marlene position this to Joel it was like we found a cure but then you listen to this audio recording and it's like if we can do this then this can possibly happen so it's still like you know you're convincing yourself like this is the definitive cure any sense of uncertainty in a medical procedure that kills a super super important person uh it just is not an acceptable degree like Take a tiny brain sample. I don't know. Do something non-lethal first and maybe take a fucking second and just demonstrate beyond a reasonable doubt that this is pot- this is going to happen, right? Because otherwise you're literally taking the one chance and destroying it. And I know that's not the reason that Joel makes the decision to save Ellie, but when we're defending this idea of like, no, no, it's good that he stopped the decision or he, he stopped the operation, regardless of his reasoning. Um, it's worth considering that they, they're, they're guessing. They're guessing right. at this. And they're, the gamble that they're taking, the risk that they're taking, could exactly be the thing that Marlene is blaming Joel for. And you got to look at it like this. They're, the argument for this being a little overzealous is uh it it can definitely be made because it was like we can just reverse engineer a cure like that fast like there's no there's no trial there's nothing about like we haven't been able to do that with cancer right (laughs) trying for a while it's like like, i can isolate this mutation and make a vaccine real quick like like super fast 
like before this hot pocket finishes in the microwave <laughs> over there, I can definitely do it. Just give me your brain. Duh. Do this a thousand <laughs> times. But you have to look at things like, um, is this mutation only going to work on certain people or this vaccine only going to work on certain people? Is there going to be like any sort of like resistance that's going to, um, you know, fuck this up or make it worse? Um, what stage of the infection does this work on? But like, yeah, we don't know. We don't know. We believe that like this particular um, mutation, because that's what it is. It's a mutation. Like we'll have a positive effect um, and allow humans to operate the same way that Ellie operates. But it could, but like, you know, this is a singular person. So you can't test it against every single person that's infected. There are real reasons to not do this, right? Like there are real reasons to not cut Ellie's brain open and be like, let's uh, listen, we've got this. Uh, Leroy Jenkins right into her skull. It's fine. Damn. Deciding the fate of humanity sure is tiring. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back. We interrupt this podcast for a preview for a different podcast. I'm Bruce, a regular contributor to Lore Party. In the unforgiving world of the gods, there is an endless, vicious cycle of fathers killing sons, brothers killing brothers, and sons killing mothers. But Kratos, the ghost of Sparta, looks to end that cycle with his son Atreus as they journey through the various realms of the Norse pantheon. Tune into our God of War episodes where my co-host Abu and I discuss the latest installment in the God of War series from 2018 and the insightful ways the game creates more depth in a beloved franchise. Just check out our lore party feed and search God of War. It should be easy to find. We now continue your regularly scheduled podcast. Lawrence. Yes. Would you do it? Do what? Uh, I don't even know. <laughs> I realize <laughs> I phrased that terribly. Would you uh, <laughs> allow the fireflies to operate on Ellie? Uh, fringe answer. Allow them to take the brain out so I can eat it and absorb the immunity. Holy shit. Hot ah, take. Wild. Comment at, at lore underscore party quickly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, would I allow the fireflies to do it? Oh, man, that's hard. Um, me, personally, I'd question the hell out of them. And if um, Marlene couldn't answer my questions, which I suspect that she wouldn't be able to do, I'd probably follow in Joel's footsteps. And as a person, I don't think I, it would necessarily be so much focused on Ellie. It would be more focused on, like, is this going to finally end this shit? Like, after so many years, I don't want to fucking hear, like, this is it, guys. This is possibly it. I don't want possibilities. I want, like, this is definitely going to fix this shit. It, like, I'm, I would settle for, like, I don't even know how to fucking reestablish society, but is this going to to uh, cure the infected? Because I feel like at least that's going to stop some people from being dicks. Right. So, so that's my, my thought. I would, I, um, I would question the hell out of them. And if they couldn't give me a definitive answer, then I'm taking the kid back. <laughs> would you El Diablo, the, the surgeons and, uh, and Marlene, or would you maybe nah. try to find a, find another way? No, nah, I'd kneecap the surgeon with uh, like a pipe. <laughs> Like he's he still a, he doesn't need his legs. Yeah, it's fine. I mean it's like you know shot like you know dent his knee and stuff. Like he he's still function. I'm not gonna kill him. I'm not gonna kill him because like very much a valuable human being. Like you're just happened to be wrong on this. I'm like personally 
not going to let you take the life of an innocent person. I would be taking any of these actions from the perspective of like what's best for society. I got to question the fireflies. Um, and I got it like, you know, this guy is still good. He might be like, I don't think he's a quack. I just think he might have like overstepped the line. Yeah. I, I think the more I've thought about it, the more we've talked about this the last two episodes, I can't think of a good reason or I haven't been provided a good reason as to why haste and rushing to this surgery is a, is a good thing. Um, so I would, I would stop the surgery. I would, similarly to you, I would not kill anybody. Uh, to provide a new, fresh take, I would take Ethan, who was supposed to, you know, watch me, uh, the guy that Marlene had the gall to think he <laughs> could even remotely stand up to my immense power. I would <laughs> drag him into the operation room and I would hang him up and, and electrocute him to death in front of the, the doctors just to show them that I'm not fucking around. Uh, once I've scared them into submission, I would save Ellie because listen, doctors are fine. Ellie's fine. We're fine. Ellie, by the way, arguably one of the most capable survivalists in the world yeah. right now. And let's stay with the fireflies until I have a reason not to. Let's hang out. We'll talk about not, you know, let's find another immune person, but like, are there less invasive ways of doing this? And if not, it's not worth the risk if it's a one shot chance. And if they're, if they're, if they're going to stand their ground on that, we're going to walk the fuck out of that building and not a goddamn Ethan's going to stop us. Well, that about wraps it up. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please take a second to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us grow the show. And be sure to connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at lore underscore party. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.